0: You know, a good conscience is a conscience that when you do something that's displeasing to God, your conscience says, Ow! Ow! You just did something goofy to God and you fence it. But a calloused conscience pays no attention to it. They displease God and they keep on going. Welcome to New Life. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're in a series titled Ezra. We're in the Bible book of Ezra, trying to learn some lessons from Ezra. Now, we're going to be dealing with something on kind of a deep level uh, in this particular Entry of New Life Telecast, and that is the conscious. What do you know about the conscious, your conscious? What do you know about listening for that still small voice that we know is God speaking to us? It seems like the Lord's really been dealing with me a lot to teach on this subject recently because I have found out that a lot of people, a lot of people ask me, How do you know when God is speaking? And so many people do not know how to respond. When God does speak, I am convinced that God speaks to people a lot, and they just pay it no attention. They just let it go right over their head or right over their spirit, as the case might be. Well, we're going to be dealing with that, and hopefully you'll learn some things as we look at the Word of God, as we look at Ezra. This is very important. Now, obviously, as I said, Ezra is our text passage, but I don't want to read another verse in your hearing at the outset of the message uh, for this particular uh, session And it's found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 59 and verse number 2. 59, chapter 59 and verse number 2. Listen to this. The record puts it this way. But your iniquities, your iniquities, your sins have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear our sins separated us from God so that He will not hear. This is very important, and we're going to try to dive into that right now. You keep your Bibles handy. Follow along with us, and I trust that the Lord's going to speak to your heart. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one that's tuned in and listening in right now, and I pray that by your Word, not my words, but your Word, that you would penetrate their hearts, speak to their hearts, help them to know and understand how you speak, and I pray that they would learn to listen more favorably. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. By a straying to something else. That's very simplistic, isn't it? But quite often it goes right over people's heads because they will not realize that the other things that they dabble with allowing their prayer life to be affected the other things that they dabble with those things are causing great injury to them and can be very injurious to them I'm going to show you here in just a second leaving one love to love something else now mankind I'm talking about men and women Boys and girls, mankind has a tendency to create this mental list of horrific actions that constitute one a spiritual adulterer. Thinking, perhaps ra- rationalizing to themselves, Oh, I would never become a spiritual adulterer. I would never lose my God focus. I would never stop communicating with my Heavenly Father because I don't do these horrifically evil things. Are you with me? Let me show you something. Here's what Jesus says. Who says this? Who? John 14 and 15. Jesus said this. If you love me, I love this. Jesus says to you and me, if you love me, then here's how I will know it. And what does he say, church? Read it right out loud with me. You will obey what I command. If you love me, you will obey what I command. So I told you that to tell you this. The greatest sign of spiritual adultery is not necessarily, isn't necessarily some horrific evil that we have dreamed up and and set aside, put little parentheses around it, but rather it is simple disobedience. Disobedience. Simply disobedience straying from obedience. Watch this, church. Delayed obedience is disobedience. How often do we think, Lord, I know what you told me to do. I know what your word says, and I'm going to get around to it. Yes, I am. Just as soon as I... Now, you don't say this, but this is what... I'm kind of... I will say it. Just as soon as I do what I want to do. Huh? Delayed obedience is disobedience. And it's bad. For the most part, it's not so much the hideous things that we do as it is the will of God that we fail to do. Question for you. Is that a big deal? Is it a big deal that we fail to do the will of God? Well, let us go back to Ezra. You thought I had forgotten about Ezra, didn't you? And Israel. Here's what happened when Israel left God. Are you with me? What are we talking about? Here's what happened when Israel left God. Quenicentally, In time, at some point, God began to pull back his provision for and his protection of them. And you might be thinking, well, Pastor Terry, that was Israel. You know, we're a lot smarter than those guys. Pastor, you know me. You know how spiritual I am. I can fend for myself. I don't need God. God. One great theologian put it this way. (laughs) Yes, you do need God. Look at your neighbor and tell them they need God. Hey, you look back at them, tell them not to be judging you. You need God too. Yeah, you do. Why? Why would I argue to you? That you need God. Number four on your study notes, fill this in with me. But beloved, there are basically three levels. We could fill in some more probably, but basically three levels of God's withdrawal. Watch this, it's very important. Three basic levels of withdrawal or basically three levels of God's withdrawal is what I was trying to say and think at the same time. And all of those have unique consequences. Let's look at them very briefly. There comes a point, and I'm not the judge of that. I can't tell you when that is. I cannot put a time period on it. There comes a point where God Almighty simply withdraws His hand of protection and allows people to... Number one, first level, suffer the consequences for their sin. The first level of God's withdrawal. There's a point where God just withdraws his hand and allows persons to suffer the consequences of their sin. Can I encourage you to do something? And this is reflected in one of your questions and on the bottom of your study notes this week. Can I encourage you to isolate, that is to pick out and inspect any sin, any known sin, you will discover the pursuit of it is very costly, primarily with one's inner Peace. I'm not talking about it's very costly in terms of finances. Sometimes it is. But I'm talking about in the sense of inner, inward peace. Peace with God. Any mild transgression can interrupt that, that, uh, that peace, that relationship with God. That's level number one. Secondly, if you suffer the consequences long enough, then chaos will begin to reign. Let me do that again. If you suffer the consequences long enough and that disturbance in your, in your soul long enough, then chaos will begin to reign. How many of you know that sin attracts chaos, not peace? Did you know that? Look around the world today. The world thinks they're doing their own thing. All, of their, all they're doing is attracting chaos, not peace. Then thirdly, in time, chaos, if that's left unrestrained, will bring about opportunities for Satan and his demonic cohorts to bring death and destruction. Pastor Terry, you're a little over the top this morning. You trying to scare me? No, I'm trying to help you understand a progression of those who stray away or drift away from God. Listen, beloved, a sin that is committed and quickly confessed will mostly reap minimal damage. But a sin that becomes a lifestyle, I got by with it and lightning didn't strike me. I think I'll do that again. Got by with it a second time. A sin that becomes a lifestyle will gradually bring destruction. Listen to Isaiah 59 and verse 2. Isaiah says, But your iniquities. Have you ever wondered about the difference between sin, transgression, and iniquity? It's a progression iniquity describes a spiritual moron what do I mean by that we're not talking about just a little trip oh I, I tripped I, I messed up spiritually Lord I'm sorry and you're forgiven of that iniquity is somebody that trips and they're like well I get struck by lightning I think I'll do it again and just keep on a spiritual moron it is a, a habitual lifestyle of sin Isaiah says those, that habitual lifestyle of sin will separate you from your God I didn't make that up God said that through his prophet he says your sins your straying if you please that has hidden his face from you so that he will not hear Can you imagine getting to a point in your life where it's not that you just chose not to pray today but at some point in time when you do it's as though God has turned a deaf ear and you feel that hollowness and that emptiness inside and you begin to cry out, God, I need you to hear me. God, I need to hear from you. There's a callousness that can develop. Some of you know I play musical instruments, one of which is the upright bass. That bad boy is a beast. It will wreck your forearm right here, and it'll put calluses on your calluses. The first time I played it for two hours at my little Bojangles gig, I thought my finger was, finger, that's a Saspahal word for finger. I thought my finger was going to fall off, and I had a blister that big on my finger. That's a big old blister. But now that thing's tough. I just don't even feel it. When I'm, well, I do feel it a little bit because you got to feel it. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> but I don't feel it, feel it. Can you imagine your conscience being like that? You know, a good conscience is a conscience that when you do something that's displeasing to God, your conscience says, ow, ow. You just did something goofy to God, and you fits it. But a calloused conscience pays no attention to it. They displease God, and they keep on going. Pastor, that was the Old Testament in Israel. You better have some New Testament for this. Well, you know I do. Look in Ephesians chapter 4 with me, verse number 17. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 17 Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, relatively young in Christ. He says, i tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. How did they live? In the futility of their thinking. And then he describes that in verse 18. They are darkened. How many of you know that's a process? It didn't say they're dark it says they're darkened in their understanding and the result of that is separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more, a descending process, I did it that hurt a little bit I did it, it didn't hurt so much I did it, now I don't even feel it anymore now I'm headlong, head over hills into this thing and I can't even hear from God I asked you just a few moments ago if straying was a big deal straying is a big deal it's a very big deal we discovered the biblical people of Judah had strayed, had drifted away from their loyalty to Almighty God. Now again, I ask you, what does that have to do with Ezra? Let me see if I can wrap up part two with this. And in so doing, I'm going to allow that to serve as a teaser for Part 3, I'm at number 5 on your study notes. Have you been staying with me this morning? (laughs) You sound like you're preaching in circles. There's a reason for that, because I am. Listen to this. With Israel first, the people strayed. Who strayed first? The people. Started out with one people. It always does. And gathered some more people. Consider this with me, I want you to understand this, and this is uh, very foundational for what I hope to wrap this series up with in about two Sundays from now. Consider with me that a nation doesn't stray, the people do. It's not a generic nation that strays, it's the people that stray. And when enough people stray, eventually it affects the whole, what we might call a nation. But where does it start? It starts with the peeps. As the drift starts with people, so does the return. The return always convenes through the one. Whether that one is Abraham, or that one is David, or Paul, or whomever the Lord might want to raise up Ezra, as is the case with this present study. God always finds the one. That fascinates me, and it brings me great hope. God always finds the one. And in this particular case, this particular series, Ezra was the one and he was joined very shortly by Nehemiah. Perhaps we'll talk to you more about that later. Listen to this. Once the one, once the one was established and bought in, God began to move mightily upon the other necessary components, the other people, to bring about a restoration. Pastor Terry, what do you mean by once God spoke and this person bought in? How many of you know that God speaks to people all the time and they do not do what he says. Am I right? You know why? Because we have a choice. We have a choice. God always finds that one. He lays it on their heart and they respond to him. Now being omniscient, he knows that It's amazing to me how God speaks to some persons and they either don't listen or they start listening and then they stop listening. But once the one has established and balled in for effect, I love it when that happens. (laughs) And the altar is open. If the lights go out, I'm out of here. Are you with me? Listen, beloved. When that one buys in, God begins to move mightily upon the other necessary components to bring about restoration. Let me put a period on this this way. The Bible record of Israel straying. That's why I've taken you here this morning. But that biblical record is a warning for other peoples and other nations. I believe that's why God put it there. Why he put it in the record. Similarly... The Bible record of Israel's restoration is a challenge to other peoples and other nations. Can I ask you this morning? And, you yeah, my heart's a little, it's not just a little heavy. I'm, like, totally heavy before you this morning. And when you experience about four deaths, of friends, in a matter of a few days, it sobers you a little bit. You know what I'm saying? makes you a little more serious. Can can I just ask you this morning, where is your God focus? Where is your God focus? Are you just getting around to it? Or is your, your spirit, your heart just become so callous for whatever reason? And there's all kinds of reasons. Sometimes people think they have good reasons for allowing their heart to be calloused. I would argue to you there is no good reason, no good cause for that. Can I ask you, are you drifting? You know that. Oh, Pastor Terry, I'm in church. Yeah, I know this. Pastor Terry was drifting a long time ago, sitting right on a church pew. I wasn't only drifting. I was serving the devil. So don't try to convince me that just being here and checking off the box makes you okay. Are you with me? Where's your God focus? How's your prayer life? I must confess to you, I'm still a little bit disappointed that I have preached my heart out to you that this church fellowship needs to gather and pray together. And some of you still refuse to do that especially in this season of this church fellowship. How is your prayer life? Pastor Terry, I believe that's a personal thing. That's good. Let me tell you how I feel personally. We are to come together as the body of Christ and call upon God. You want some Bible evidence for that? Stay tuned. Do you spend any intimate time listening to the Father? You know what a let's see what day it was what day is this Sunday Friday I met Sister D for dinner hear me out baby where do we eat dinner Friday evening what the fish house went to a Captain Tom's and I got there early and I ordered I got down a kid's meal and I got the captain's platter Ashley, we split a captain's platter and Donna come in I said how was your day babe Brad that was a mistake (laughs) (laughs) that's what I tell couples in premarital some of them won't listen I don't always do a real good job with that But I try. What did I do, Donna? (laughs) I just sat there and listened. Just sat there and listened. I said that to say this. When is the last time you listened for that still, small voice? Not just yakking away at God, but you listened to that still, small voice. God has some things to say to you. He has some things to say to you. He knows what you need even before you ask, but He has some things to say to you. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't been taking the time to listen, to take the time, so that we don't end up in Babylon like Israel. Are you with me? And we'll get to that next week. Love it. I'm going to cut in right there. Uh, we have some more to this series, and perhaps we'll get into that in the coming weeks. But let me reiterate this to you, what we tr- closed with. I believe that the Bible's account of Israel straying is a lesson to all of us. Let me do that again. The Bible's accounting of Israel straying, the nation of Israel straying away or drifting away from God is a lesson to all of us. So with that being said, let me ask you, where is your God focus? Where is your God focus? Are you in tune with God? Listen, some of you may be even involved with church. You connect with the church body maybe a couple times a month or once a month or a couple of times a year, and you think you're just checking the bots and everything's okay. Well, is it? Where is your God focus? Are you drifting As you look into the Word, are you seeing a reflection of the Word in your life? Or are you a long way from being about the business that God has purposed for you? I want to be an encouragement to you to do one very simple thing. Read the Bible. Read the Word of God and apply it. Allow Holy Spirit to apply it to your own life. It will grow you. You will begin to grow those around you. Our community will grow, our church will grow in the things of God. That is the challenge. Father, I pray, I ask in Jesus' name that you would speak to each person listening in now. Lord, I pray for those that haven't been reading, studying your word, so they don't know what's in it. I pray that they would be challenged to read it, to understand it, to apply it to their life, and to grow by it, and to help others in the process. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beloved, I want to remind you that New Life Community Church does have a regular schedule of activity Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We meet, and we'd love to see you. We've got a few empty seats on most Sundays. If we don't, we've got some extra chairs we'll drag out for you. We'd love to see you. I also have midweek activities Wednesday night, and we have a great time on Wednesday night. It's family ministries night. We call it that because the family is ministered to we'd love to see for those activities as well i am terry knight the pastor of new life community church be encouraged to take a look at our website the web address is there on the bottom of the screen there's some helpful information there for you all of our messages our podcast our live streams are archived there you can find those and click on them follow along with us and learn some things from the Word of God. I trust you're going to have a great week, what's left of it. I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?